Okay, podcast intro. Here we go. This is Holding Down the Fort with me, Alejandro Soto. This might be a little chippy-choppy because the waves are chippy and choppy on the seas of life. I've got a good view from the captain's room up here. And uh, there's some waves out there. I don't know if you've noticed. It was just a full moon this past week, and it, I, it, people get crazy around the full moon. I try not to drive. I try to stay home on the full moon. I try to not be too woo-woo about that kind of stuff. Um, I don't get into, like, astrology or any of that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I... I have an aunt, actually, uh, my Aunt Amy, who is talked about in today's episode by uh, my mom. I interviewed my mom. I'll get to that in a second. Um, But my Aunt Amy worked in, like, she has worked in the ER and, like, worked on the psych floor of hospitals and stuff. She's, like, a nurse. And she's told me that, like, shit goes crazy on the full moon like there's and i think it's even like i haven't researched this myself so don't fact check me um don't believe anything i say actually let's just take that to the furthest extent of reason and uh put no credit into anything i say but i've heard that like there are more car crashes on and around the full moon so statistically it's good to stay home um i i think that's what i yeah it was thursday i think i don't know anyway i don't need to be going over where we are in the moon cycle because it could be either morning afternoon evening or night when you're listening to this podcast uh so hello welcome to the show this is the intro to the podcast uh, there's no way you're just tuning in because technology doesn't work that way anymore. So, uh, so today, uh, today's episode, I interviewed my very own mother, uh, the mother bearer, uh, life giver, birth giver to me, Tara, Tara Soto. And, uh, she is like, uh, she's been a real big musical influence in my life, and so that's uh, what we really got into today, is uh, talking about music and kind of continuing the conversation that I started with Orion about, like, the folks who were against solar panels out in the countryside, and um, kind of getting, I want, I want to get a better look into like uh farm the farming side of our american society because i'm a city boy and i don't know too much about that stuff so a couple weekends ago my mom was at farm aid which is a music it's like a music festival that they have been putting on since 1984 Five. It ha- It didn't happen a couple years. Um, there were. There was a pandemic for a few years. If you didn't know, now you know. Um, and so I think it was like the thirty sixth, thirty eighth, um, farm aid this year, 
and it was started by John Mellencamp, so I was, um, I listened to a few songs. I'm going to play a couple songs of his um, in the episode for the music today, and like, man, it's, there's a lot in though, in there, in those songs, like, um, like a lot of stuff about like identity and how people's like identities are connected to, uh, their farms and their land, uh, like the land they grew up on. And like, like there's a line about, I walked this fence when I was five holding grandpa's hand and like, I, like I, that, I don't have that experience. It's, uh, just uh, I had a different experience growing up in the city and stuff. Um, sorry, I just hit my beaded curtains. If you heard a rain sound, it was my beaded curtains because I'm an expert in interior design. Uh, but people like farmers have this uh, connection to the land that is intertwined with like their personal identity, and um, it's it's interesting to be getting uh schooled on this really because uh, i don't i don't know too much about this stuff i have a lot to learn and so hopefully i uh can continue learning about this side of uh of humanity uh yeah it's interesting like all the i i work in a kitchen and all that stuff that i i'm cooking it comes from somewhere and uh, it, w- it came out of the ground at some point. And so having an idea of like uh, what goes into that and what the lives of the people who are doing that, like what their lives are like, um, I'm, I'm interested to know that. So uh, let's see, events, what, am I, what have I got coming up? Um, uh... To October 14th, I'm playing at a benefit uh, event art show that Melissa Van Cleve is putting on. Get a hold of me if you want more information on that. Um, the end of October, I'll be at the night market. Last night market, I think it's October 28th. It's a Saturday. Um, and then November 2nd, I'll be playing music at the Uncommon... A gallery opening, local artist Olivia Alk. She's a, a poet and a photographer, and uh, she's putting on uh, an art show. It's, uh, yeah, I follow her on the internet, on the Instagram, and I, when I'm on there, I sometimes catch the stuff she's posting, and it looks really cool. So that's November 2nd. That's a Thursday. That'll be at the Garden from 6 to 9. It's going to be really cool. Um, I don't think I have anything planned after that. I'm hoping to... Excuse me. I had dinner recently. Um, oh, I'm a human. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to kind of take some chill time in the winter when the temperatures chill down. I'm hoping to calm down and slow down myself. Uh, so I might not be out and about as much in the November, December months, uh, but I'll, I'll be doing the, the podcast so you can still check this out if you're on the ship that I am sailing. So I'm going to call that a wrap. 
I've been talking, I'm sure, like at least five times longer than you were wanting to listen to in any podcast intro. There's got, this has got to be bad for the show that I'm talking this long. Like, there's got to be some algorithm. Like, there's definitely videos out there that, like, tell, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't care, clearly. Um, because I'm still talking, but I'm going to stop that now. So enjoy this episode that I recorded with my my own mom, uh, my mother, Tara, Miss Tara Soto. Uh, enjoy, everybody.
well, mother. Yes. <laughs> Son. <laughs> Welcome to Holding Down the Fort. Uh, thanks for being on the show. I am glad to be here. <laughs> I, it's about time you asked me. I think so. I'm eating grapes, so pardon me, uh, audience. I'm being a terrible host. Um, but so... we've always said that about you, though. Yeah. Whenever your friends mm-hmm. came over... You would never offer them anything to drink. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm talking like grade school, junior high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And into so, high school, into high school. Even, yeah. yeah, even into high school. And so we would just re- call you bad host. Mm-hmm. Even your friends, Patrick mm-hmm. and Stefan. And yeah, he's a bad host. And, <laughs> and, and now you've gotten to where you are a very good host. So mm-hmm. thank well, you. So, so, you know, maybe that's what a lot of my generation was lacking because I've looked at like participation trophy culture. Right, right. And how fucking bullshit that is. Like yep. like you gotta lose sometimes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you, you don't get a trophy for living up to a minimum standard. Yeah, like you, you, you get, you get to continue order. living. You don't get a prize. Yeah, yeah like you know no, prizes are for you going to continue above living, and yeah. <laughs> meet the minimum standard you get to just keep going but yeah prizes are supposed to be if you go above and beyond and to recognize those people mm-hmm. okay participation yeah and so now that and so before you ever you were even here i got you a glass of cold water and had it on a coaster right next to your chair exactly and that's growth <laughs> <laughs> you, you've learned to be a much better host over the years and and i hope that, I hope that so. us calling you bad host and calling you out on it has has led towards oh. the good host that you are now. Uh-huh. Yes, minor trauma is good. Yeah, builds character. Learning experiences. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. <laughs> Learning experiences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, mom, where where the hell do you come from? Where do I come from? Yeah. Um. I do. You want me to say I was born in Central Illinois. Well, you just did, so... So there we go. (laughs) Born in central Illinois. I think that is a good place to start, yeah. Spent about a decade there. So, like, in... in, So, we'll eventually get to talking about farm aid. That's what I want to build into. Farm aid that was born in central Illinois, just like I was. Perfect. (laughs) So, like, a couple episodes ago, I was talking with Orion, and he told a story about... He like works for a like internet company. He installs like internet right now as his day job. And he was out in the country and like talked to some people who had like a an anti-solar panel sign in their yard. Like, and he was confused by it. He was like, why are they against solar power? It should be a good thing. And so he asked him about it, because mm-hmm. he's like, he comes from Washington where everyone's all about all that stuff. And they like told him about kind of the what I, the thing I really people can go back and listen for specifics but the thing I remember was that they felt there was like a sense of identity for the people out in the country because this was mm-hmm. a person in the country like farmer farmland and they had like a sense of identity tied to their farmland and it was in some shitty ways being taken in roundabout ways through <laughs> through money uh it was being taken and like transferred into solar panel land and then the power was being carted off to like new york and chicago like the power yeah, wasn't even right. staying here and so they felt like disenfranchised from the land that 
even though like what how we got on it was talking about farms and how like monoculture was bad and like the the factory farming thing like we were kind of dogging on that but then also seeing the flip side of how like those are real people that are running those farms and like paying their kids college tuition off of those mono monoculture fields of corn and so like it gave me a deeper understand or at least a deeper perspective i don't know if i understand it more on like farmers and their how their their ties yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, right right well and you know asking where i came from but my first 10 years of life I didn't live on a farm, but I was in a small farming community. Mm-hmm. Um, town was a thousand people. I went to school with people who were farmers. Um, <clears throat> I even remember, you know, the kid who would come in his uh, overalls to school. And so I was was in a farming culture and farming area, even though I, I lived in town and our families didn't farm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was familiar with that. And... Um, to, as I was thinking about how we were going to talk about farm aid and things like that, as I was growing up, I didn't listen to popular music. We listened to the AM radio. Oh, okay. So cool. that's what I listen to in the morning when we're getting ready for school and things like that. And so they're listing the farm reports and they're listing the weather. Uh, oh. And it was the, the AM radio station in Decatur, Illinois. And farming what was it around there mm-hmm. because Decatur the industry was built around farming as well the big industries yeah. in Decatur Illinois um at the time that I was there I moved away in 1984 um was Caterpillar mm-hmm. so Caterpillar mm-hmm. um I, I guess that's not quite as much farming but some of the large machinery yeah uh, that Caterpillar makes and that's the ones there. that have like cat cat uh, c-a-t c-a-t yellow yeah, and black. yeah like everyone yeah. knows that I mean anyone yeah. who pays attention <laughs> yeah, yep. anyone in Fort Wayne has right, seen a, right. a Caterpillar. And, and so growing, growing up, you know, I just knew a lot of people, you know, oh, yeah, I work at Caterpillar. And, and it was just part oh, of, oh. of our, our society. Another place was Staley's, mm, which mm-hmm. when, when you've gone to Decatur, there's the Decatur, Illinois smell uh-huh. of Staley's. And it's a corn processing plant. Mm. And so mm. that was farming. The other thing that's big indicator is ADM. Archer Daniels Midland, and you've probably seen trains go by with oh. ADM on it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's indicator as well. And so not only were we in a community, oh. and when I say Decatur, I lived in a town, a small town 10 miles outside of Decatur. In our school district, we did have some Decatur residents who were in our small school district. So we had not only exposure to the people who were farmers and lived in the country had their farm equipment and farmed their land, but also more of the business side where um, these farm things were being processed. Ah, that's that's interesting. So there was like the building of the equipment, there was the processing of the produce, and then there was shipping it out. Like, so like, I mean, like that's a full, like, like, financial system absolutely like, like whole, that's a whole industry right and, there and i well, I, I forget the phrasing about it but at the time i lived there in the early 80s i think they said that decatur illinois was like the corn capital of the world <laughs> uh, because of so many things coming in you know for that processing and so 
basically i i grew up porn found usa <laughs> but but it wasn't just because of the growing of uh-huh. the porn yeah, it was yeah. because of how it came there and and was processed uh-huh. and and things like that and cuz cuz i i thought as a child not living on a farm i remember the first time mm-hmm. grandpa Popo took me out in the country, drove up to on the side of the road, walked over to a cornfield and took an ear of corn. And I thought, oh, no, he's stealing produce. Uh, He's like, oh, wait, it's all right. Uh, It's my buddy's farm. It's all right. But what he did, he took that corn off of that growing plant and shucked it right then and there and showed me. And that was the first time I knew the difference between sweet corn that we eat at home, either out of a can or off the cob, and field corn, which is what's grown to then Mm -hmm. make all these other things that are Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. corn-based. Because I just thought people were growing great big fields of sweet corn. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's, like, not not the case, which we know a little bit more now. Okay. And that's the thing that I was, like hating on right. in that conversation with Orion, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm seeing, trying to learn the other side of that now. All right. I need to back up and correct yeah. myself because I said, I thought it was maybe the corn capital. It wasn't. It was the soybean capital of the world. Oh. Okay. Be- between Staley's and ADM mm. and what they did, um, the soybean capital of the world. Oh, so there was okay. a nice yeah, mix. Yeah. When you look out into fields, uh-huh. when you're driving through um, rural central Illinois, you see corn and you see soybeans. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a pretty decent mix of both mm-hmm. of those. Might mm-hmm. even lead a little more towards soybeans. But that's mm-hmm. what was being processed. Yeah. So I was eating mm. um, soy meat. When I was a young child, (laughs) in Decatur, Illinois, there was a restaurant called the Just Around the Corner Restaurant. It was close to the town square, and it was a test restaurant because they were just starting to figure out how can we use soybeans to make meat substitutes. No way. Absolutely. And I went, and I I had um, a, a lasagna with um what seems to oh, look like oh. and taste like ground beef uh-huh. but it was soy interesting and it, it cost my meal cost three dollars and fifty cents and that was a super bargain at the time uh-huh. but they uh-huh. had lower prices at this restaurant because they were just trying to test mm-hmm. how does this work when we're using these soy products yeah. to make meat replacements wow interesting mm-hmm. that was in the 80s that was in the 80s that was when i lived there that would have been early 80s because yeah i was maybe third huh. second third fourth grade and i i moved away in 84 no way so i mean definitely on the edge of technology there too yeah and i do want to go back to something you were saying about uh, corporate farmers yeah yeah as we're going to talk more about farm aid mm-hmm. and get more into those things People who have to work those corporate farms may very well be people who used to have their own farms and then didn't anymore. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Lost their farms. You know, they they talk about the farm crisis in the 80s, -hmm. which, again, farm crisis in the 80s, where I lived, farmers um, seemed to to be a little better off financially Mm -hmm. than average. Um, I've mentioned this to you before. If you see the dirt there in mm-hmm. central Illinois, it is black like potting soil. Um, and so the farmers that I was familiar with um, were usually doing well financially. Um, but mm-hmm. I think 
you know, the, it just that certain area being being so farm centric, not only the farms themselves, but able to uh, all of the businesses and industries that process what the farms make right there. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's not like your grains being shipped to California. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so keeping it local that way yeah. just really helped everybody. And so like back then in the 80s. So so to set, keep it centered around Farm Aid, that was right. in 85. The first Farm Aid, was, the right? first Farm Aid was summer of 85. It was put together in six weeks. Oh, wow. After, oh. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Bob Dylan said on stage, maybe at mm -hmm. Live Aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we do something for the American farmers? Yeah, yeah, um, he did. Because it, it, the the farm crisis was happening in the 80s. And mm -hmm. again, I personally didn't have as much experience with that until I hear about Farm Aid. And then mm -hmm. um, John Mellencamp's Scarecrow album came out as well. Mm -hmm. And that was something that um, exposed me to the fact that there are a lot of farmers that are not having the same experience as the few farms that I had visited of friends when I was younger and growing up. Hmm. So around there were the farms like still family owned farms? Like, like, I mean, it, you know, the ones that I'm familiar with. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm picturing, okay, you go this way out of town and that was Bob and Dolores Farrell's farm. And then you go this way out of town. Well, that was the, where the booties have their farm. And, and then you, yeah, the uh, other people are there. So yeah, it was, you knew the people who lived in the farmhouse and they farmed their land. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there probably were other things, but that's what I was mm -hmm. familiar with. Hmm. Interesting. And a lot of that land, I think, had been passed down generationally as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what I've heard as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, as I was doing a little research for today's podcast, um, I was looking at some of the lyrics of John. I'm going to call him John Cougar Mellencamp because that's what he was going by at the time. I think that might have been the first album where he picked up the Mellencamp name again. Because when mm -hmm. John Mellencamp mm -hmm. first wanted to go be a rock star, they said, okay, we're going to name you Johnny Cougar. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. it got a little more to John Cougar. And then with this, he wanted to get back to his family roots and the fact that oh, he's cool. from Southern Indiana. Oh, cool. He's from a farming community. Oh, and so this is, this is about people he knows. Yeah. So yeah. He, he's not somebody, you know, here writing about like, you know, let's let's feed homeless or, or feed hungry people in Africa uh -huh. that I've never met. He's doing this and volunteering his time for Farm Aid, both performing and um, being on the on the board um, to help his neighbors, people he grew up with who had farmed their family land their whole lives now can't do it anymore. Because, um, I, I mean, and his, his lyrics explained it perfectly. I don't have it pulled up, up right now. And, of course, I can't, you know, think of exactly what it is without singing. And I'm not going to do that. But, um, you know, he talks about, you know, called, called the friend up to uh, auction off the land. And the friend says, you know, it's just my job. I hope you understand. They're calling it your job. Uh-huh. It sure, but it sure doesn't make it right if you want me to, I'll say a prayer for your soul tonight. And so this is this is happening where people in the community all go to the auction 
of their friend's farm. I grew up going to auctions. I've been to a lot of auctions. And and most of them are estate sales where Mm -hmm. when someone passes away, it's the things that they have remaining Mm -hmm. that are then sold Mm -hmm. at auction. Well, this would be similar, but the people have not passed away. The people have have to give up their land. And so not only are they giving up their home, which is on the farm. I mean, occasionally Mm -hmm. they would be able to keep maybe just the home. Mm But they're giving up their job. So it's like not only, you know, you lose a job, usually you get to, you know, have the comfort of home to be able Mm -hmm. to deal with the fact that you've lost a job. This is losing everything. This is it's it's heritage. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, one of John Mellencamp's Scarecrow lyrics was, um, you know, my grandpa cleared this land. Mm -hmm. So it's that long ago. Mm-hmm. That families mm-hmm. came in, homesteaded, whatever they did back then, and had the land. And then when they had kids, their kids worked the land, and their kids took over then when the older people were too old to work or then passed away. Mm-hmm. And so that that was that was your legacy. Mm-hmm. That was, was what you did. It was the family job, um, the family farm. Mm-hmm. And then um, back to John Mellencamp's lyric in Scarecrow, it was um, something to the effect of um, we didn't have enough money to pay off the loan. And so then we couldn't buy more seed for the next year. And then the line, I can quote this, he just yells it, and the farmer's bank foreclosed. Damn. Damn. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I have heard of that kind of thing. I mean, like the tight margins that farmers deal oh, with. Oh my gosh! Yes. Like I better like like they pay their loans off for last year with like this year's this year's crop, grain. yeah, and have to take out a loan like before the harvest. Like I don't know exactly, but like they're mm-hmm. taking out a loan for like next year, right after they pay off the loan from last year, and it's like. Oh, oh, it's a constant. It's a constant thing. They don't constantly have heart attacks. It's it's almost similar to like buying a home. Most people are constantly paying on a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And then if you move, okay, well, with your, you you sell your house and then you pay off that mortgage, but then you've got a new mortgage for your new house. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's similar concept like that with, with Mm -hmm. how they, you know, take out money to buy um, uh, seed to buy fertilizer yeah. um, if they need to have additional farm help. Um, mm-hmm. I did that work when I was in high school. Ah. I walked beans. Oh. And so what that means is you physically walk through the rows of a soybean field with a piece of equipment called a bean hook that's got a sharp thing around the edge mm-hmm. and you wrap it around and pull really hard and then that cuts down the buttonweed. Mm. And that can only be done by people. And so mm. there was a group of us that would go out there and, and do that. You know, uh-huh. 10 of us at 6, 7 in the morning um, before it got hot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So those are expenses. Uh-huh. You know, it, and yeah. uh, uh, maintenance of equipment. Uh, have you ever tried to buy a combine? <laughs> A com a combine and <laughs> never even thought about it. Yeah, <laughs> I just thought they just like materialized on the or, farm. Or just like came with the garage. Yeah, yeah, they've always been there, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
I, I mean, a combine is literally hundreds of thousands of animals. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, a number I remember from years ago is maybe around $250,000. That's Easy. a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. yeah. And so depending on the quality and state of the machinery that mm -hmm. you can afford to buy, that's going to help you to, you know, harvest mm -hmm. more quickly, mm -hmm. um, you know, all these different things. You know, if you can have a combine that's very, very large and you can harvest 12 rows at a time as opposed to maybe, you know, four or six rows at a time, obviously you get mm -hmm. it done twice mm -hmm. as quickly. Yeah. And then you don't have to pay additional labor to be able to. It, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. Yeah. There. Huh. There's a lot going on. So it was mostly family farms, or at least where you were back in the day. Yeah. Because, um, like, nowadays, even driving around in, like, in Indiana, going out to Amish country and stuff, right. and, like, riding my bike by fields and stuff on the Greenway, there's, like, signs for the seed companies that, like, are supplying the seed and like like it's i think today my understanding of it is that there's more there's less family farms right right i i will clarify something for you when, when, when you see those signs uh -huh. um, that doesn't mean that it's a corporate farm mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah that that might mean it might just be an advertisement mm -hmm. you know like uh we're, we're proud to use this seed mm -hmm. company you know and yeah things like that or or it, it might be they're trying different things mm -hmm. and, and they're just marking it for themselves mm -hmm. yeah um and that's like just... rolled gold or something something okay gold. The, the, rolled gold oh the yeah. tomato the ketchup factory yeah oh. down by decatur yeah that would be something uh -huh. where i think that they're probably gro doing a lot of corporate growing uh -huh. for their uh -huh. company yeah huh. so like how did the farm crisis come about in the 80s then you know like, that's something that, that i don't have a real good hold on again okay. because i didn't live on a farm uh -huh. and because i was a small uh -huh. child uh -huh. Um, I don't know for sure if it was just the general economic condition in the United States that happened to hit farmers harder. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if, if it was a weather issue, like a drought mm -hmm. or something like that. Uh -huh. Um, I don't remember what caused the farm crisis, huh. um, but farm crisis in the eighties was something that people would hear about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, um, uh, after Bob Dylan said, yeah. can we do something for the farmers? Um, I read that it took six weeks to put that together, yeah. and it was um, it, it, it was quite a lineup for you know six weeks notice, mm -hmm. but it was held in um, Champaign, Illinois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was about forty five miles east of where I I had grown up, and by the time Farm Aid happened in nineteen eighty five, I had moved to Fort Wayne, and so I was mm -hmm. living here, and I remember watching Farm Aid on TV. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and it would have been the summer after I was in sixth grade. And another thing to add is, like I said, when we when I was growing up in central Illinois, we listened to the AM radio. When mm -hmm. I moved to Fort Wayne, that was the first time that I had ever discovered the summer of 1984 was the first time that I realized that FM radio had anything other than classical music. Ooh, good year. 
to discover that. Absolutely. <laughs> really I good year to, to discover Wayne, that. <laughs> I saved my money and I bought myself a ghetto blaster, which is nice. what we called it at the time. <laughs> at Kay's Merchandise out on Coliseum, which is now Darlington Warehouse. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I brought that home and I found 97.3 WMEE. <laughs> and my eyes were opened. Uh-huh, uh-huh. My, my eyes were open. I'd literally nice. not been exposed to music like that. Um, I, I mean, occasionally here and there. I, I wasn't, you know, kept in a hole. But uh-huh. <laughs> but we just, you know, didn't listen to as much. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so summer of 1984, that's when I bought my very own radio cassette player with FM and nice. AM. And I had that in my room. And that's when I dove into music. Nice, nice. And then the year later is Farm Aid, mm-hmm. and John John oh. Cougar Mellencamp was was uh, one in there, and I was a fan of his and a fan of the Scarecrow album eventually, cool. and and so I was living here in Fort Wayne, having moved here the year before Farm Aid happened, so I had had about a year of mm-hmm. non farm report radio that I had listened to when Farm Aid came on, and all. I'll never forget my mom watching it on TV and pointing at somebody in the audience that she knew. (laughs) That's awesome. And that was just the coolest thing to me, that it was something that was on TV, but yet it was local for people that were, you know, back home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and that was kind of my first introduction maybe to concerts like that too. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, there's somebody that you know that's actually in the front of something like this so real people get to go to concerts mm. and and see stuff like that you're not always seated in the back of an auditorium people get to walk up front <laughs> yeah. and and really get into the music instead of sitting there holding your program yeah so that that was that was a big thing that yeah. was a, a big thing that somebody that we knew was right down there rocking out at the very yeah. first farm aid in champaign illinois with willie and bob and john cougar mellencamp <laughs> yeah yeah and, yeah and and tom petty and the heartbreakers i believe were at the first oh, one. Oh, oh, uh-huh, wow. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah that makes sense they came from florida um i mean i think it was gainesville so it's mm-hmm. like a college town and stuff still but i feel like they always had a a, a good connection to like the like i don't know kind of, real they're, American they're kind of a people. southern rock and yeah and, you know, yeah, that yeah. Rural. yeah 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 i think that's like when around when tom petty was he might have been doing the southern accents tour and he was kind of like you were saying about john cougar mellencamp trying to connect back into like his roots and like family right. and like w- like get away from the like the Hollywood world. Right, and like the right. The, the bright lights in big yeah, cities. Yeah. You know, and, that's not the only thing there is. We've got this different lifestyle at home. And yeah. you know what? Just because it's different doesn't mean it's not valid. Let's yeah. celebrate this too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool. So, fast forward to two weeks ago. You're at Farm Aid at Deer Creek. All right. Well, let's let's fast forward to when tickets went on sale for Farm Aid. I had no idea that they would sell out in the time that they did, and I didn't get tickets. Mm -hmm. 
I looked on StubHub and thought, my goodness, no, I'd have to sell a kidney to get, you know, one of, one of these tickets. So I thought I was, I, I wasn't going to be able to go to Farm Aid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had just mentally prepared myself for that. And, and the reason this year why I was most interested in Farm Aid was because I wanted to see Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers yeah. featuring the Wolf Pack. Yeah. Um, Wolf everybody Pack. else, everybody else yeah. would just be... Um, But yeah, that was my main reason for going and everybody else was going to be icing and sprinkles Mm -hmm. and magic and glitter on top of the cake. Mm -hmm. Um, But I resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going. And so then shortly after that, Julia, my daughter, your sister and our concert partner got us the tickets to see Bob Weir and the Wolf Brothers and Wolf Pack three days after Farm Aid. So we, we had we had something that we had to look yeah, forward to. A consolation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was going to be... Two, the best consolation and it was going to be sets of Bobby Weir yeah. as opposed to a, a brief set at Farm Aid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I did what I could. I tried to get a ticket. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And so my life just kind of went on from there until my dear brother, Ben. Shout out. Shout out. To Ben Pritchard, a big musical influence in my life. Um, long story short, he gifted me a ticket to Farm Aid to go wow. with him and my sister and sister-in-law. And so it was the wow. four of us, the the core four back together concert group going to Farm Aid. Um, nice. And I was so proud because um, Deer Creek was hosting Farm Aid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes, I do still call it Deer Creek. Yeah, it's, Deer um, Creek. it's uh, I th- is it called Ruoff Mortgage yeah, Center right Ruoff. now? I, I after like the second corporate name, I, I went back to <laughs> right to calling it Deer yeah. Creek. <laughs> yeah. So I was just excited to be able to go. Um, my brother is the leader of the pack when we're at the concert, and so he made the hotel reservation. He did that right away the day the tickets went on sale. He realized, so he made the hotel reservation. They were coming from Illinois. I was meeting them there, and we were going to spend the night after farming. Um, I was ready to go early, um, but it turns out tickets can't be couldn't be transferred at all. Uh-huh, they uh-huh. did that to prevent, um, you know, misuse of reselling and things mm-hmm. like that because it's mm-hmm. a charity event, and I understand uh, and respect okay. that. Nice. But he couldn't transfer me my ticket to where I had it on my phone to be able uh-huh. to get in because I could have gone down earlier and I was volunteering to save us a patch of lawn if need be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't work out. I met him at the hotel, and we end up getting to Farm Aid around four in the afternoon. Um, I have been to Deer Creek many times, and I have never parked in the place where they parked us. Mm-hmm. It was out like further than what I call the back parking lot, and the back parking lot is where you can easily mm-hmm. access the back gate, which leads you into the outskirts of the lawn. Yeah. Um, I have to shout out to Deer Creek and the Farm Aid staff. Yeah. They got people in and out of there. Well, it there was no wait for us. Nice. They were organized. Nice. They were parking people appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some other places that need to take note that yeah. that can be done. Yeah. Burgettstown. Fuck Burgettstown. was awful. Sucked. Two years in a row. It was a yeah. nightmare. Yeah. So shout out to Deer the, Creek Rocks. the farming staff and also the Deer Creek yeah. people. And I think probably lo- lo- there was a lot of local law enforcement there that was helping mm-hmm. and directing traffic. Yeah, and yeah, they did a yeah. fantastic job. So I don't know if uh-huh, they opened uh-huh. this up as a newer parking area 
or if I had mm. just, you know, never happened to have parked there. Mm -hmm. um, so we got there around four in the afternoon. People were busy. People were excited. People were, you know, singing and and playing music in the parking lot and gathering all their stuff. And the the excitement starts right there. You're looking at the cars and seeing the different logos. Of, Let's see just <laughs> who's here to see whom. Yeah. And I saw right away that there was um, a big representation of Dave Dave Matthews. Oh fans. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know Dave Matthews usually brings a really big crowd when he does mm -hmm. shows, and he has a fan group that follows him a lot. And so that didn't surprise me. So yeah. I'm seeing okay. Dave Matthews band t-shirts. And nice. on, and then I would say probably the second largest group was um, Deadheads. Uh-huh. So, showing you know. For Bobby. Absolutely. People showing up for Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers. Um, I was not wearing any of my Grateful Dead shirts. I was wearing my Farm Aid 6 t-shirt. Yeah. Nice. Long sleeve t-shirt from <laughs> Farm Aid 6, summer of 1993 in Ames, Iowa. Nice. Nice. I will admit to you and the listeners of the podcast that I did not go to that. Um, Alex, your dad did, and nice. I kept the shirt. Nice. There were actually Score. two Farm Aid shirts, and I'm, I'm going to have to look for the other one. I think it might have disintegrated into rags uh -huh. from being used so much I, I think i actually remember that it was a blue tie-dye with a bright screen print on the front maybe i don't then I don't yeah know. huh i'll see cool. if i find it <laughs> uh, yeah so i'm wearing my farm aid six shirt um and i had gotten that out beforehand and just looked at all the artists that were on the back oh it was awesome i remember my gosh that. incredible and a huge lineup too yeah, Huge. yeah, like a a long list of um, all amazing artists. It like yeah blew my mind. Like I read through it three times, and like each time I read through it, I saw another name. And was like, they were there. Oh my gosh, what? they were there. Are you serious? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and and with crazy. being in '93, that's when music was really starting to shift. Mm. Uh, well, you know, starting also, out with, with '91 with Seattle. Mm -hmm. um, like you into know the grunge, with, with the, the grunge scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90. Yeah, and and so then then going really from you know the pop music of the eighties, mm -hmm, you know having mm -hmm. pop music and having hair glam metal yeah, and yeah. and you know things like that, but then ninety three that was shortly after grunge is really uh -huh, starting to uh -huh, take over, yeah. and so to see the mix of people mm. that started to come for that, yeah, it wasn't like Alice in Chains there. I'm thinking Alice in or Chains. Something. Um, Don Wass. Yeah, was Don there. Wass was. That's right. I wasn't overly familiar with Don Wass, um, but I knew that he had a song "Rock the Dinosaur" in the '80s, and that's what I knew about Don Wass. And then I come to find out that he's playing with Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers. Yeah, yeah. and he was on the back of my shirt. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, huge, huge lineup on the back of the shirt. And just amazing. Cool. Okay, Brian Adams, Allison Chains. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just going to throw a few out. Um, Sawyer Brown, uh, Charlie Daniels Band. Oh, yeah, they did Devil Went Down to Georgia, right? Uh huh. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if they did it here at Farm Aid. Oh, but, yeah. They wrote um, it. Oh, oh here, here are some good ones. Uh, oh, Driving and Crying. You're from the '80s. You might know them, <laughs> Arlo Guthrie, Arlo Guthrie, Merle Haggard, yeah, Merle Haggard. and the Strangers, yeah. Highwaymen. 
featuring Willie yeah. Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Johnny Cash, and Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Oh, and then they just throw in, just sneak in Bruce Hornsby here. Uh, Lyle Lovett, Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp, um, Ricky Van Shelton, Don Wass with Ringo Starr. What? Whoa. Dwight Yoakam, Neil Young. Okay, they're alphabetized. That's uh -huh. okay. Yeah, that's not even uh, all of them. I yeah. I just read. I took a picture of the back of the shirt and read uh -huh. read some of those off. But you know, quite an eclectic group, uh -huh. and quite a large uh -huh. group. Um, and that was Ames, Iowa, April twenty fourth, nineteen ninety three. Wow! So Farm Aid has gone on and on. The first one was yeah. was obviously more publicized, being the first one, and mm -hmm. you know, right in the middle there. But uh, Farm Aid um, has gone a lot of different places. I think of farming, you know, being Midwest, but it's been on the West Coast, it's been mm -hmm. on the East Coast, it's been in Florida, it's been in Texas. Cool. And it does travel around. Huh. And they do they have it each year? It's been pretty or... much every year. I was looking at that earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, they had to take off during COVID times. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, 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 it's it's been been pretty steady wow. most every year, even though it's not been publicized in the same way mm -hmm. or I've not mm -hmm. noticed it in the same way. Um, so yeah, wow. still out there helping helping wow. farmers. And something I remember from... Um, a couple of weeks ago when I was at Farm Aid in Indianapolis, um, I think it was Willie Nelson who stood up there and mm -hmm. said, all of these artists come here and perform on their own dime. Everybody's a volunteer. Whoa. You, know, you, you, <laughs> you think about how money takes over so many things yeah. and... Look at this lineup. Dave Matthews shows up for free. Yeah, yeah. Pays his own Pays gas. his own way. <laughs> Probably to book his own hotel, pay for it himself. Because <laughs> uh, they, like, believe in this. They believe that this is an important part of our society. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah. and what a platform for artists who want to give back to be able to give back. Yeah. Yeah. And so the board of people that still run this, I think some of the people are still, uh, some of the same people are still on it. Dave Matthews has joined the board of Farm Aid. Oh, I think cool. it was oh, maybe 20 years ago. Uh -huh. um, but no Willie way. Nelson, John Mellencamp, um, Margot Price joined the board. Oh, cool. Maybe 10 years ago. So they've nice. got the board that really keeps it going. And um, yeah, these people put in a, a lot of volunteer hours, you know, so made made me feel better. Well, okay, I didn't pay for my ticket. My brother <laughs> paid for my ticket, um, but it, it was not an unreasonably priced ticket. I believe uh -huh. face value was $75, That's which is a steal yeah. for the lineup. For um, but yeah, for that money to be able to go to um, a, a good cause yeah, and, yeah. and to have the... Yeah, the artists put their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I, I watched uh, almost accidentally on YouTube after we, I think it was around, well, it was like a week ago. Within the last week, it was the MTV 1985 Year in Music. It was like their yes. hour-long special My for like New Year's of like the year wrap-up. And that was the year of of live aid and of 
barmaid. And I, I remember <laughs> first, yeah, Bob Dylan getting up there and like while playing saying, hey, wouldn't it be nice if they could take, it's, it's great we raised $80 million. It'd be nice if they took, you know, one or two million to give to the farmers here at home. And <laughs> yeah. his Bob Dylan voice. Exactly. And, and everybody cheered at like that. And then, like, right after that, they went to, like, talking about Farm Aid. And it, it was funny. They, they interviewed, it was, I think it was the guy from Duran Duran who was at Live Aid. He said, well, I know for me personally, and I'm pretty sure for the rest of the band, this is the only altruistic thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. But, like, that, that, that aspect of, like, I think uh, something I, I said, and maybe I'm giving trying to give myself more credit and and but like i think something that artists can do and like that musicians can do is like point the focus of society and or like try and kind of direct what we're all paying attention to or at least like put a flag up and you know willie bob dylan saying like hey maybe we should help out exactly. the farmers oh yeah like, i mean people being able to use yeah. um, the fact that they're they have such a wide audience that they speak to yeah, yeah. um to, to be able to have some kind of a platform like this yeah, yeah. it is nice i i remember back to the, my days of watching the miss america pageants and even mm. for them, that each Miss America contestant would have a certain platform that they would want to be able to try to promote. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. You know, whether it be literacy, whether it be um, you know equal opportunity for people with different abilities, you know, things like that. And and that was one of my earliest exposures to you know people having a platform mm. like that. So yeah, mm. I think it's just kind of should be one of the responsibilities of people who have fame and more money and just you know those things usually put them in mm -hmm. an area where they can have a larger audience to make people more aware because mm -hmm. yeah uh, what if bob dylan wouldn't have said that yeah on the yeah. stage of live aid yeah. because that was another thing during the 80s um the the famine in africa mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know yeah. starving children oh, in africa wow. that, that was I mean, it was even like a joke, you know. Yeah, like, like yeah. as a child, when it's when like when you a meme when nowadays. you didn't when when yeah. I wouldn't when my mom wanted me to eat my supper, she would say, <laughs> "There are starving children in Africa." <laughs> but but that's just yeah. That, yeah. that's one of the things that, that was happening right then. Yeah. And so yeah. Live Aid went to that. There was USA for Africa. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, that did did we are the world. Mm. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, obviously, it's a wonderful charity to be able to help feed people who don't have food because of famine in their nation. Yeah, and yeah, because of yeah. drought yeah. and things like that. It was, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, but then, yeah, Farm Aid. What? Yeah. He said it, and people jumped on it, and it, it was pulled together in six weeks. Oh, yeah. And that was before the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This had to be yeah, with yeah, phone they, calls, uh -huh. phone calls, and direct contacts, and um, a lot of things going through the mail. Mm -hmm. Well, can, yeah. Can, can yeah. you imagine? I mean, like some Jeez. of these artists and some of their writers that they would have, like things that are required for them to be able yeah. to do shows, and then okay, well, I'm doing this for free, and so maybe I can't request that I have a dish of only brown M&Ms and you know, <laughs> all, all kinds of, you know, liquor and food and, you know, all yeah. those, all those different things that are provided. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> um, like, okay guys, well, let's just get together and jam and see if we can yeah. put a stage out in a cornfield somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
It is like, I mean, what's more American than that? Putting up a stage in a cornfield. Exactly. Like, well, that yeah. that's happened just outside of Fort Wayne here. It, yeah. Um, is it Luke Bryan or there? There's a country yeah, artist yeah, who has I come in and literally done that, and, yeah. and it's been a boost to the local economy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He pays a decent amount of money, I guess, to the people who physically have the land uh-huh, that it's hosted uh-huh. on, and so that's a, a boost to the rural economy. Mm-hmm. With him being a country singer, which you know kind of jives there with yeah. with rural and with farming yeah i have heard about about him doing that and i mean it sounds fucking awesome <laughs> yeah i i mean you, you couldn't pay me to go listen to a country music yeah, concert like see, that but, but yeah I, you, i've heard of people who have gone and who have had a great time and uh, yeah why not do something like that yeah. that can just put a little different focus on where the money from the event goes to is it going to go to the coliseum or is it going to go to um you know Bob and Sandy down the road who opened up their field for us to bring people to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And gives a neat environment too mm-hmm, to have a concert yeah. as opposed to just in, in a building. Nice. Nice. So, so I made my grand entrance into Farm Aid this year through the back door. <laughs> Again, we, we parked, we parked way out back. And almost always I come in the front concourse. Yeah. And around yeah. the front concourse, you know, that's where they have food displays, merch stands, and things like that. So I didn't come right into that. We came in the back gate, and again, uh, props to Deer Creek. We were able to get right through security, um, both you know visual security and coming through. There was no line. Nice. Uh, it was really quick with ticket takers. Everybody was absolutely awesome. So if you've not been in the back entrance of Deer Creek, I feel like I'm giving away a secret here. <laughs> Um, we we go in and there are are lots of bathrooms. Oh yeah, lots and lots nice. of bathrooms. You know, both permanent flush toilets and this kind of hybrid thing that's kind of like half temporary, but it actually flushes, so it's mm-hmm. not a porta potty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there were restrooms up there, and again, we're we're just in. We've got the vibe. We're excited. Um, I'm looking at my brother and sister and sister-in-law and we're talking about the meme that we shared between ourselves. That's all the Muppets that are, that are just prancing right in. And it says, (laughs) this is me and my crew. Once we get through security at the festival. (laughs) And that's just how we felt. We're like, we're here. We've made it, you know, that we we've made our grand entrance. We've made our grand entrance. And so of course, used the restroom and thought, let's just get in and find a piece of lawn. <laughs> yeah. So we come in through the back and I have been to Deer Creek many times and I have sat on the lawn many times and I have never seen it fuller than what it was. We walked around the outside perimeter and saw absolutely zero, no spaces of lawn. Dang. <laughs> and, and we looked and we looked. And so we were basically up in the upper corner. Um, on the what I call the outer track. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, if I'm facing yeah. the stage, I am to the upper right as far back as I can be. And and so we're watching the screens. I think it was Nathaniel Rateliff mm-hmm. who was on at the time. Oh, nice. I was just kind of trying to get settled in and, you know, my bag on my arm. And, you know, I had my, my uh, uh, jacket thing, but didn't want to drape it over myself because I was hot. You know, so just kind of settling in as, as, you know, the festival group has gotten in the gates. Um, 
So we decided right then and there, we may have to sit just right here on this asphalt and this might have to be the place where we stay all night. <laughs> um, so we, we got comfortable and just standing there and thought this is a good enough place to stand for a while just to kind of let, let's get a lay of the land. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, two of our group took off and went to explore something and two of us stayed and, you know, guarded our piece of asphalt and, and, and then, you know, one came back and somebody else left. And so that was, you know, maybe half hour, 45 minutes of something like that. And uh, then I, not even that long, I look over and of all these thousands upon thousands of people, I see my buddy, Jake. Mm -hmm. This is my buddy, Jake, that I've known for, gosh, coming up on 20 years now, probably. Yeah. And lives right down the street. And in all these people, that's the person I see. Nice. So I see Jake and Danielle <laughs> and we speak with them for a little while. And um, Jake has a really interesting perspective of Farm Aid. I knew from day one, he had posted on social media that he's going to go. Um, Jake is in a band, uh, mm -hmm. a punk band called Flamingo Nosebleed from here in Fort Wayne. Many, many years, had quite a bit of success with that. So Jake is a rocker, but he's also, by his day job, a farmer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, he farms on his dad's family farm uh, up near Auburn. Nice. And so his full-time yeah. job is working the land, mm -hmm. if I'm quoting mm -hmm. John Miller here again. <laughs> So when he and I had briefly spoken beforehand and I said, yeah, let's look for each other, you know, and kind of laugh that off thinking we're never going to yeah, see each no. other and all of this mess. He said, yeah, I really want to get there early because I want to see some of the farm exhibits. Mm -hmm. So those are some things that I missed. So I'm just going to talk about something. I don't know what it was. Um, they had some different exhibits out there that were related to farmers. I've mm -hmm. been told that there were food items out there that were farm stuff oh, i'm cool. thinking they might have had corn on the cob i don't know i we I just so. we just really didn't get to that area very much just because of the sheer number of people that were there um we did start to go over into one little area where it looked like they had some things on display and it it, it was just kind of overwhelming with yeah. again numbers uh -huh. um one of the acts that played was the Jim Ursay band. Mm, Jim Ursay yeah. himself is the owner of the Colts yeah. and he has a huge, huge music collection. Mm -hmm. And he puts that music display, music collection along with the big sports memorabilia collection. He puts that out on display for the public to be able to enjoy. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much of it he had there, but his Jerry Garcia guitar was there, the Tiger guitar. I saw a picture afterwards. Yeah, so Jim Ursay had recently hosted something at the Colts Stadium where Jim Ursay Band and mm -hmm, John Mellencamp mm -hmm. and several others played. Oh, cool. And he had a big, huge display of all of his um, sports and music memorabilia. Mm -hmm. And my brother, Ben, the one who I went to Farm Aid with, he drove three hours to Indianapolis just to go see that. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's ever interested in memorabilia like that, Jim Ursay is awesome with putting that out for free mm -hmm. just to be able to share with people. So he yep. did that again with Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers, Bob Weir having been a member of the Grateful Dead with, with Jerry Garcia. And he has one of Jerry Garcia's prize guitars that's just right on display there. So I, I think that's cool, like philanthropically. Mm -hmm. To be able to, it's, it's one thing to have a collection and to, to hold these things and to keep them safe, but it's something even better to be able to share it with people. Yeah, so yeah, totally, totally. Don't know the man, but shout out to Jim Ursay oh. for sharing cool stuff. Yeah, I, I Ben sent me the 
link to the Jim Ursay collection show that happened at the Cold State. Yeah, I read yeah. It. And yeah, he's like a, a kind of eccentric, rich guy. He just like mm-hmm. has a bunch of money and like, you know, I don't know where he got it. I might have talked about it. I, maybe it didn't. Um, but he like, yeah, owns the Colts, has like three to five million dollars worth of Americana memorabilia. And he was touring it around the nation. And yeah. the kind of hearsay talk is that he's looking for a place to uh, like build a museum or something like a, have oh, a permanent wow. home for his collection that like people can come and check out. That'd uh, be so fantastic. that's why he, like they pe- people think that's why he was doing that national tour I with see. his collection, like checking out cities where <laughs> you might buy a giant building to put all his stuff. Yeah. Well, if you want to know <laughs> any more details of that, um, uh, your uncle Ben and grandma Cindy went with him. Uh, they talked to the curator. Oh, cool. Um, ben knew who that was because he's really into this stuff. And he said, look, there's the curator right there. Oh, nice. And so they did speak with the curator of oh, his his items that does travel around like this with him. Uh-huh. And there was also somebody from one of the big auction houses. I'm not sure if it was Christie's or Sotheby's. Uh-huh. But yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there were a couple of big wigs that, of course, your grandma got right, right in and got her picture taken with. Because that's what Cindy Pritchard does. <laughs> <laughs> that was the famous auctioneers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Grandma Cindy that's taught funny. me how to auction. She needs to get a picture taken with a famous auctioneer. Um, but anyway, they, they had farm displays. I don't really know much about what they were. But the group of us four that went decided while we were out Farm Aid this year that we will go to Farm Aid next year mm-hmm. and that we'll get wherever it is and we'll get a hotel the night before and we'll be there when gates open because we just want to be able to experience the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. That's because it was just an amazing experience. Um, Of course, the set lists were amazing. Um, The fact that that there are just all these people, the lineup, the lineup. I mean, we we show up and and Bobby Weir comes on soon. I mean, thanks again to my brother's generosity. I had just seen Bobby Weir and Wolf Brothers and the Wolf Pack the night before Farm Aid in Michigan. Oh, yeah. Oh, at Pine Knob? At Pine Knob. Yeah. He was with Willie right. Nelson the, and the Outlaw Fest. The Outlaw Fest. Up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, shout out to Ben Pritchard, who gifted tickets to me and Julia. And you better believe I'm going to drive three hours up to Pine Knob and then the next day go to Farm Aid if I get to see Bob Weir two yeah. nights in a row. Yeah. Um, so we, we were up there for that. And then, you know, here here's Bob Weir comes on stage. I tell you what, I don't know if I even really saw him uh-huh. As opposed oh, yeah. to just on the screen. There, no, you don't. You don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we ended he's up like a tiny little. He's like yeah. flat, like where's Waldo? <laughs> right, right. And and with the lawn, it's angled, and so you know you can see it. But we were we finally settled not in that far right corner, but we settled not too far from center back, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. leaning up against the fence. Yeah. Yeah. So the outside track was between us and the rest of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, but through that fence, through the slats, was coming in an amazing, amazing breeze. And it yes. felt like air conditioning. <laughs> um, there were times that I wanted to sit down. And I, of course, plan ahead to sit on grass. And so I don't care about what I was wearing. But when I sat down, I got to lean back on that fence. 
Yeah, and nice. you know the others in the group you know were were able to you know kind of rest and relax by leaning on that and brother ben looked over at me at one point probably around when dave matthews was playing so we had settled into that spot pretty well and he said i think we have really found a prime piece of real estate for a deer creek <laughs> and we all agree yeah. and so it was a very different experience to I'm short. I, I look at people in front of me and I see the backs of their heads and I can't see the stage. With each act, I did try to go in and kind of meander to get to a place where I could actually physically see the stage just so I could say that I did it for each artist. Nice. Nice. Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers, Truckin'. Nice. They only did three songs. We knew it was going to be a small set and it was absolutely fabulous as has been every time I've been in the same place with Bob Weir, God bless him. And oh, and Jeff Comenti and Jay Lane. Um, amazing band. So I do need to back up a little bit back when we were in that corner and we were kind of meandering. I'd seen my friend Jake, we were still checking things out. Um, I'm looking down towards the front of the people who are walking up towards us up this walking track towards the back corner, and I see a gentleman with some curly hair. And in my mind, I say, that looks like Jay Lane, drummer for Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers. He takes another step, and I think, his hair's a little flatter than usual. Because we analyze Jay Lane's curly hair. And, you know, has it been the day he shampooed, or has he slept on it? You know, it's a hairdresser thing. And in this split second, as I'm looking at Jay Lane's hair, I look down and see this person that might look like Jay Lane has a tour badge. And it is Jay Lane. The drummer from Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers walking right up to where I am. He's been doing that. He's just been like walking around the venues, like, enjoying himself. Out the scene. Yeah. Enjoying himself. I went yeah. up to him, patted him on the shoulder. Right. Jay Lane. When I yeah. see when I see a, a a musician, I you know say their name like I know them, and I, so I apparently my family tells me he looked at me like oh he's supposed to know me and then realizes I have no idea who you are but <laughs> I said saw you last night at Pine Knob we love you man have a great show and patted him on the shoulder and off went Jay Lane and he was just enjoying farming there were two other separate times that we saw him just out enjoying farming nice. and I'm I'm so glad that the artists get to do that yeah yeah even when odd folk such as myself come up to him, Jay Lane, like we've been BFFs <laughs> since kindergarten. Uh, but after that experience happened, my brother did say to me, you know, you're two degrees from Jerry Garcia. I touched Jay Lane's shoulder. Jay Lane's in a band with Bob Weir, who was in The Grateful <laughs> Dead with Jerry Garcia. And then Ben said, that's closer than Kevin Bacon. I don't know that for sure. That was just kind of a funny. And that's like one degree from Les Claypool. So there we go. Played with, I think he played with Primus, with Primus for a while. Yeah. I'm wondering if he was playing with um when when we saw Primus at All Good Festival at Buckeye uh, Buckeye Lake, the place in Ohio that we go oh, to. Buckeye Ranch? Yeah. Or are you talking about Legend Valley? Legend Valley. Yeah, Legend Buckeye Valley. Ranch That's is a it. different place. Yeah. He might have. I don't I wasn't there for that one. And, and and then after I after I did go up and speak to Jay Lane, just you know, on the fly like that, the discussion was had. Do you have your question ready, or what are you going to say if you see somebody? 
always just speechless and dumbfounded. You know, you, you think you want to say, dude, great show or whatever. But, you know, here, here I look at Jay Lane, the drummer for Bob Weir and Wolf Brothers. And, you know, what, what does one say? Yeah. What does one say? So then everybody in my group started preparing their question. You know, what are you going to say? What are you going to ask? Uh, that's awesome. But yeah, I saw nice. Jay Lane. It's nice. a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> beautiful cool. thing. Yeah. And I'd seen him the night before. And then we saw him again on, on that later. Tuesday. Yeah. And I, I said that night, if Jay Lane sees me, that man's probably going to put out a restraining order. <laughs> yeah. I haven't received it yet. Yeah. It's they they I'm sure they get familiar get used to some familiar faces like uh, yeah. the rail riders and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. rail riders yeah. and uh, yeah. Well, and somebody else said it. It looked like Jay Lane just is really comfortable with dealing with people who come up to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, later on there was somebody. You know, I read that they said. You know, they asked if they could have a picture with him. And he said, well, no, just a minute. I think it was the kid we were talking to at the Bob oh, Weir show. He yeah. Like, one of them was like, hey, Jake, can I have a picture? And Jake just goes, cool. They're like, chill, man. And like, yeah. keeps on walking. It's like, yeah. doesn't like make a deal out of it. But, you know, that's that's right. a, a hippie no. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, but, he, yeah, so nice just to see yeah. that Jay Lane was able to walk around and enjoy farming. Yeah. Yeah. And and it wasn't like, you know, if, I don't know, Justin Bieber, you know, would be swarmed with fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, some some musicians just don't have the luxury mm -hmm. of being able to walk mm -hmm. around and enjoy yeah. normalcy anymore. Yeah. So I was glad to see that Jay Lane did walk okay. around. And I'm sorry if I bothered you when you were trying to enjoy. <laughs> so, but I love you. <laughs> we all love him. We all yep. love Jay yep. Lane. So should we talk about Neil Young? Sure. Neil Young. Legend. Yeah, he was there, right? He, he was there. He was at the first one, and he was there. And my dear sister-in-law, Amy, the one that we know, knows so much about music, leaned over to me and said, we are right now listening to Neil Young play harmonica. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I could only see him on the screen, except for when I just tried to take my quick glance. But uh, just, again, speaks to the magnitude of names that were there giving of their time for free. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that changes the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And he's a, he's a bit of a you know, rebellious, like a positive yeah. rebel. Like yeah. uh, he took all his music off Spotify when there was like, a, okay. like a, some, honestly some drama, like they were, putting up stuff and like supporting like putting people letting people put up their stuff that he wasn't cool with it so he's like no yeah. i'm not cool with the stuff that you're putting on your site so you don't get my stuff and honestly it became kind of inconvenient because i was working at the school of rock and <laughs> we used a lot of like neil young songs like i couldn't look up rocking in the free world on spotify mm -hmm. to play with like my students because Neil it Young had beef there, with Spotify. Like, yeah, and I was like, yeah. so like every time we like, oh yeah, there's some asshole on Spotify that Neil Young doesn't like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, like, in, in a way, it's like what that's what he's trying to do. He's yeah. like trying to make you remember. And, and like, with some of the music he's written, he's yeah, stood yeah, up to yeah, other yeah, people yeah. as yeah. well. So yeah, Neil <laughs> Young is is not afraid of uh, speaking his mind mm -hmm. and not afraid to jump into controversy mm -hmm. if need be. 
But um, that that's where Farm Aid just being the experience came into play. I just had to let it settle in that I'm listening live to Neil Young play Heart of Gold and play his harmonica. And every time I hear Neil Young on the radio or ever, you know, on not Spotify, um, you know, I'm going to remember this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and they're like rocking in the free world. Yeah. That song like is that like there's uh, like the last because I went through it so much. I remember the last verse is. Um, there's a woman in the night with a baby in her hand near an old street light near a garbage can. Now she's put the kid away and she's gone to get a hit. She hates her life and what she's done to it. There's one more kid who will never go to school, never get to fall in love, never get to be cool. Keep on rocking in the free world. Yeah. Like he was like, it's great. And now like I just found this YouTube channel it's called Soft White Underbelly, and it's a I guy. I love Soft White Underbelly. Dude, dude. That's my favorite thing. Mark, soft Mark White Underbelly. Mark is amazing. the man. And like, I've been like watching I watched three of, of them like, yesterday. I, I've been <laughs> spending way too much time watching his videos yeah, this last yeah. week. But like, it's crazy that like that exact same thing, like the and, and like hearing people tell their stories right. about like how. Like the the kid who was put away while his mom went to get a hit, and he mm-hmm. like dropped out of school. At, you know, it's, uh, I hear people, dudes telling stories like, you know, I stopped going to school at 11, 12, just went on the street and stuff, yeah, and yeah. like got the, into the all this I crazy watched... shit, and then I went landed in jail. Yeah, the 18. one I watched yesterday. Like, yeah, because that, that's the question that Mark often asks: is how far did you go in school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the woman who was being interviewed yesterday said eighth grade. Yeah crazy uh, yeah yeah the way i describe and this is this is off topic but yeah so quite underbelly <laughs> yeah, yeah, is awesome yeah. because i do tell people about it a lot and i i the way i describe it is he interviews people who are somewhat on the fringes of society oh, yeah, yeah. and people's stories that wouldn't usually get to be able to be told mm-hmm. um because they're not people that a lot of people would have interaction with yeah yeah um, and sometimes it's because they're people who are living on Skid Row. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's people who have, you know, severe mental illness and drug abuse and addiction. Um, and then sometimes it's people who have just been through lousy situations mm-hmm. and just want yeah. to share their story. Yeah. There was even a woman from Northeast Indiana who was on Soft White mm-hmm. Underbelly, mm-hmm. Underbelly. I wonder if she works in huh. Fort Wayne. And what she does is she's the medical professional who does rape kits and things like that on victims. Oh, jeez. So, you yeah, know, she's not a yeah. she's not a drug addict like Mark usually, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. interviews. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, just just different people in society to be able to learn and hear about stories that you wouldn't mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's really helped me with, you know, empathizing with, yeah, with people that yeah. I, I don't get that contact uh-huh, with. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, yeah, we were talking about Neil Young. Yeah, and like I guess just like how well it's his song "Rocking in the Free World" telling a, a story of like plight and you yeah. like having and then to bring it back to what you were saying about like like he took the responsibility of having that platform mm-hmm. like for real like he he's walking the walk right and talking the talk like yeah to this day he was exactly. a farming. 
Like, exactly. I don't know if he's still on the board, but I, I know that, yeah, he's been instrumental in leadership of Farm Aid aside from just, just performing. So, yeah. So now, now I can, I, I've seen Neil Young. That was the first time I have seen Crosby, Stills and Nash a few times. Nice. And now I got to add Neil Young. You, Alex, you, Alejandro, you were at the um, Crosby, Stills, and Nash concert. I believe I was pregnant with you for one of those. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. My list of in utero concerts is pretty stellar. Pretty stellar. Like, was it, what, who, it was, was it Aerosmith that you saw oh, while I'm sure. pregnant with me? Uh, yeah, probably. I, think, uh, I, I could be incorrect in saying this in the past but i was i i've told people like my first concert was like my in utero was aerosmith and my first concert post partum was i think death leopard i think that's what oh I no yeah I, oh you went to a concert much sooner uh -huh. than death leopard i'm sure but anyway that but but yeah that's what i've told people in the mm -hmm. past and yeah your, me, your first real cool. your first real grown-up concert yeah you were three and i took you to uh -huh. death leopard uh-huh uh-huh yeah yeah that's what i i mean like yeah i'm sure i was at like yeah little little hangouts and and farmers market things and mm -hmm. like small well and julia was hangouts like that julia's first concert she was six weeks old and it was um the band that sings sister christian is that Night Ranger? Yes. Yeah. That's another song we did at the School of Rock. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's that's when you said, because you were you would have been four. That's when uh -huh. you said they're playing a song about sister. It's called Cinchin Winchin. Cinchin Winchin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember Julia was in um the the big stroller. And I stayed back a little bit with her, and your dad took you up to the side of the stage, and you were right in the front, oh, cool. rocking out with Night Ranger <laughs> and their song, Sister Christian. It's yeah. a song about sister. <laughs> so nice of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. And, and that's something that, like, the rock and roll community has always been awesome about, is, like, treating kids right. Mm -hmm. Like... Like, it's in a dead shows, too. Like, when we were at Bobby's show in February up in Detroit, there was a dude with, like, his, you know, 8 and 11-year-old sons. Mm -hmm. And, like, there was, like, a kind of tape mark on the... I remember it was, there was, like, a tape on the floor oh, for, yeah. like, the security area. It was right, like, you know, right. this is the wall. And I remember the security... Like, everybody in the crowd, like, gave him plenty of space. Like, yeah. when people tried to come up in like we all walled up we're like no this is room for these yeah, kids to yeah have a the, good these time. children need to be here and, and be and safe like his, yep. i remember their dad was like a bigger guy he was all jolly and stuff but like a guy that you definitely didn't want to be on his bad side but all happy and all smiles he just would like you, you, you couldn't move him you couldn't make him budge yep. <laughs> he was like you know keep the space for the kids and i remember even the security guards once the like dad was friendly mm -hmm. with them and they the security guards were all cool with us they like you know let him step over the line a little bit but if an adult did they like be shot in the flashlight yeah. like... it, it, that was actually the fire marshal oh yeah yeah and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. They, they told him we were everybody yeah. was cool once we knew oh, yeah, everybody yeah. was cool you know security guards like, yeah, they're yeah, doing their the job they're there to work yep, like yep. bobby's here to work yeah. like this is how it all goes down uh, nobody could be an asshole that's how that's how this stuff doesn't go down yeah um, and and that's even like yeah when i was a kid mm -hmm. going i remember seeing like papa roach and hinder 
And we yes. were at like the, and I think it was in like Lima, Ohio or something. Lima, oh, yeah. Ohio. At the county fairgrounds. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, remember we were in the front row and yeah. like totally cool. Like I was in like sixth grade or yeah, something yeah. at like, a, actually, hard, it was like really, a hard rock concert. It was really hot that day and the security guards actually um, gave you guys water bottles. Fuck yeah. Yeah, gave like, me bottled yeah. water. How awesome is that? So yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah and, and that's that's something that in the in the spirit of this conversation of like the the music community supporting the greater community that's something I'm real proud of yeah. uh, the rock community and and even like in the Woodstock night to t- kind of bring it to the darker mm-hmm. side when it goes wrong the Woodstock '99 documentary about how shitty that went down when they interviewed the guy from Corn mm-hmm. I remember he was pissed that like girls got mistreated and like got abused it's like that's ridiculous like girls should be able to come to a show and rock out just like the dudes do like that's fucking bullshit Mm -hmm. that's not why we go up on stage no way and that's corn well that's awesome that that's that's his mentality that everybody deserves to be safe at our concerts and like yeah Yeah. it's angry music and like if you want to get into the pit get into the pit and like you get knocked you're gonna get knocked but like if you're not in the pit you should be safe Right. Because we're here to enjoy the music. Mm-hmm. And I and I love that through and even in like the metal scene, like the metal dudes are like if you're like they're super like protective almost to a fault sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you get on their bad side, they'll knock your teeth out if you mess with something someone that they're looking out yeah. for. Well, but you know, they're they got their code and they're respectful right, for people. Right. I, I think it, that's really cool. And there's been a shift there because um I mean I'm gonna just mention the fact that I didn't go to a lot of concerts when I was was young. Um, AM radio, things like that. We, it just wasn't something that we did a lot of. Whereas you have grown up with going to concerts since yeah. straight since day one. Yeah. So here, you know, I come into it as an older person. When I was in college, um, uh, we would, you know, all the time go to concerts. And I liked 80s hair bands and things like that. Um, at that time, I went to a concert at the Sioux City Auditorium in Sioux City, Iowa, and it was all general admission. So like eight to 10,000 tickets, all general admission. Um, I won't delve too much into this, but you can think back to, was it the Rolling Stones that had concerts Mm -hmm. where when they were general admission, people would get trampled? Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually... I always try to be, you know, because I'm not a a large overbearing person that can physically push Mm -hmm. other people out of the way. Um, I have to be smarter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I just try to be patient. And, you know, if I could work my way up to the front. But um, I got torn cartilage in my my sternum area because I did get front and center. And there were two people, two men on either side of me that thought it was the funniest thing to be able to squish everyone towards the middle and to try to get them to move. And and that's how concerts used to be. Mm-hmm. It used to be physically dangerous. And they would be, you know, the security would have to lift people from the front yeah. over and then send them around. And, and this wasn't like the mosh pit. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those were, you know, separate issues. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I could choose not to join a mosh pit, but if I wanted to be in the <laughs> yeah. front... You know, pe- people would literally squish yeah. you so, so badly. Uh-huh. I remember when your dad and I would go to concerts, if we'd be, we would be, well, we would be smart enough to get there early 
and go stand up at the front and just wait instead of trying to push up. But if there was that restraining bar between the crowd mm -hmm. and the band, your dad would have to put his hands on the bar and lock his elbows to have a, a safe space so I wouldn't get physically smashed mm -hmm. by the crowd. Jeez. So that being said, I love the fact that now we can go to a show and yeah, there are the rail riders. Yeah, there are people mm -hmm. that get there first. Yeah, there, but it's not a physically unsafe environment. Yeah. You, once you're there, you can pretty much stand and enjoy yourself without the risk of, of people just pushing and almost like a, a trampling type mm -hmm. situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even in Ungrateful Dead shows, there's yeah. the, all right, folks, time to take a step back and take another step back. All right, take another big step back. And they like made a, a thing of it. And like, yeah. I mean, it's legit. Like, yeah, there'd yeah. be people passing out at the front. Oh, absolutely. Row. And I mean, part of it was sound technology. Like the sound yeah. couldn't get to the back and people wanted to hear. Now, thankfully, like, the back of and, the lawn sounds yeah. great. Well, and like, everybody yeah. wanted to be up front closest to the band. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. that was me. You know, uh -huh, every, uh -huh. I, I'm, I'm a front row person. Whether it be, you know, a, a concert, a class, you know, I just like to be in the front. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people do for concerts. Mm -hmm. And and so I, I'm glad to see that that type of physical squishing mm -hmm. isn't yeah. the case anymore. Yeah. Yeah, great. I'm glad that mentality has changed. It maybe COVID kind of you know set that off as well. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. we we're, were thinking more more about physical distance. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a benefit. So yeah. don't want nobody passing out. Of oh yeah, that's no way out. That would be a surprise, just like a surprise guest came to Farm Aid. Yeah, man, who was it? Tell them if people okay. don't already know. I I I couldn't see. You know where I was sitting, and we're back there. And it was dark. And usually between sets, they would just put the name of who was going to be on next, mm -hmm. which I thought seemed a little Mr. Rogers-like. But but then again, this was, you know, a huge lineup. Mm -hmm. And so it was good to really keep things straight. So nobody's name was up there. And we're kind of wondering, like, where are we in the lineup? Is Willie coming up? Is he going to be last? Or the, what, what's the deal? And then somebody comes comes on, but the lights still aren't on. And I wasn't familiar with the song that was playing to be able to notice who it was. And my sister-in-law, Amy, said, that's fucking Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm speechless. I have to admit I've never been necessarily a fan of Bob Dylan um, just because I don't choose to, you know, get that music out and listen to it doesn't negate the fact that he is is royalty yeah. in the yeah. music business. Yeah. Um, I had always joked about Bob Dylan and said, I don't need to go see him. I could, you know, hear, hear somebody else sing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it, yeah, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, he sounded <laughs> fan fucking fantastic yeah. no way awesome i i've since watched his performance again mm -hmm. uh, brother ben sent me that and oh, so i watched so cool. a, a professional thing of his performance oh, sweet. and he, he sounded great he was playing guitar mm -hmm. i guess that's something that he doesn't do as often mm -hmm. i read an article mm -hmm. in, about um oh it, it, let me back up a little bit bob dylan's backup band 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's yeah. when dear Uncle Ben says, is that Tom Hamilton? Is that his name? I always get it from, wrong. Uh, the, from J-Rad or like no, 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 the no. dead guy? No, no. Um, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. The yeah. Heartbreakers. Yeah. Tom Hamilton, is that his name? The guitar player? Uh, I'm sorry. Mike I'm just Campbell. Mike, Mike Campbell. Campbell is Shoot, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Tom Hamilton is another guitar player. Is but... he Aerosmith? No, no. Shoot. Um, <laughs> Let's stop talking about yeah. that. So yeah. who am I talking about again? Is Mike that... Campbell. Mike Campbell. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. With Ben Montpensch there playing the piano. Yes. Yeah, Ben Montpensch. So shortly after awesome. we realized that Bob Dylan is on stage... Brother Ben says, that's the Heartbreakers. Nice. Yeah, My brother amazing. Ben got me into Tom Petty and made me realize uh-huh. how amazing uh-huh. he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we realized then and there uh, that we're listening to Bob Dylan and the Heartbreakers. That's incredible. <laughs> and at that point, that is when my dear younger sister, Selena, starts going around and telling everyone that will listen or even not, we are experiencing an historic event. <laughs> this is an historic event. We are experiencing an historic yeah. event. Yeah. And that summed up the whole night. Yeah, for real. That summed up the whole night. Um, Bob Dylan played his songs and sounded great. And... Uh, was backed up by Tom Petty's Heartbreakers. I recommend looking into the backstory about that a little bit. Basically, it was such a secret that Bob Dylan was coming that um, Mike Campbell had to cancel another one of his shows with his band last minute because he couldn't even tell yeah. that he was going to be, yeah. So like it's, make it look like he was going to be somewhere else. Absolutely. Pull a bait and switch. Absolutely. <laughs> So I would recommend lo- looking into some things that he's had to say <laughs> about awesome. it and about being able to perform with him. Uh-huh. So Bob Dylan was at the first Farm Aid. Yeah. Oh, cool. As nice. were Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Nice. And nice. now with Tom Petty having gone on to have Bob Dylan and the Heartbreakers, yeah. it, wow. it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And there are a bunch of videos up on YouTube, and I highly recommend watching it. So as if that wasn't good enough, then comes out Willie Nelson. Yeah, fucking Willie Nelson. Willie Nelson. <laughs> oh my gosh! I, and I, I had seen Willie Nelson the night before at Pine Knob, and oh, yeah. Bobby Weir had sat in on Willie Nelson's full set. Uh, we had seats nice. for that. We were much closer, and so that was just a completely different experience than seeing Willie this time. Mm-hmm. Um, Willie's sons were there. He oh, played yeah. one of his son's songs. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Other people came out on stage. Honestly, by that time, you know, we know I I couldn't see very well. I was just trying to absorb and enjoy and, and just be glad that I was at Farm Aid and, and experience an historic event. For sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So Farm Aid, 10 out of 10. We'll do again. Nice. Definitely recommend. Yep. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, that's great that there's uh, some video out there, like some there's professional a lot of, footage. Yeah, there's a lot nice. of professional. Nice. Um, because I, I think Farm Aid was broadcast somewhere. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Like I think this it was, one was just, yeah, this one I think was live on YouTube. 
Oh, was it? No way. Yeah, I I know that there was broadcasting happening. I know it wasn't on Nugs. Mm -hmm. You know, we love our Nugs. Nugs.net, plug. Um, But yeah, yeah, it was, I think, broadcast live on YouTube. And then there were some other channels that were showing. And so, yeah, there's definitely lots and lots of professional footage along with with lots of non-professional footage of just people Mm -hmm. who were there. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So, yep. Highly recommend. (laughs) Farmaid. I highly recommend nice. that, that Deer Creek hosts Farmaid from here on out. That'd be and, great. Yeah. yeah, it's a great venue. Um, but then again, thinking of capacity there and thinking about the fact that other Farmaids have had 80,000 people. What's the capacity at Deer Creek? Do you know? I'm going to throw out 25,000, but that's just oh, my own guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly not not eighty thousand like like when Farm Eight has been held. Well, oftentimes in football stadiums. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think of when I've been in a place that big and yeah. it's probably Soldier Field. Soldier Field. Yeah, I saw yeah. the Chili Peppers there. Yeah, the, right. the release of people out of that place after the show is insane. Yeah. We had Julie and I had to walk like a mile, mile and a half down the road to get yeah. an Uber yeah. for like. A hundred and twenty dollars. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we had no other option. We were like right. ten miles from our uh, Airbnb, and mm-hmm. I mean, it was just wild. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But to have Farm Aid in a venue, yeah, such like an outdoor as venue Deer like Creek, that, yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that vibe again. Not not having been to some of the other larger ones, and so I don't know that vibe. But I I'm sure that it was probably considerably different seeing the amount of the the grass field that i parked in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the grass that we yeah. walked through um you know just just being in a lawn mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um out in the country in rural indiana mm-hmm. i'm sure would create a very different vibe for music than what it was even in ames iowa i i think it was at jack trice stadium the football mm-hmm. stadium Okay. at Iowa State University. So that would be again something that would, you know, 60 to 80,000 people. Uh-huh. So, we'll see. Right. We'll see yeah. what happens with Farm Aid if they decide that that uh, you know, numbers are more beneficial for them or um mm-hmm. who knows. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. If they ask me, I'll tell them, but they haven't <laughs> they haven't called yet. I don't know. Uh-huh. Well, here they, they if they're listening now. Now If you're know. listening now, my number is 555 <laughs> Well, mom, thanks. Oh, and I did say, speaking of the four, four, uh-huh. four, four, I did say at Farm Aid, I can die now. <laughs> I can die now. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was just, uh. I mean, a super culmination of, of, uh, a life of rock and roll. And yeah. it was celebrating my 50th birthday yeah. as a gift yeah. from my brother. Yeah. And what better gift to be with my family and a whole family of rock and roll listeners and participators. And uh, yeah, that's what's up. So, yeah, we're, we're ready for next year. I, I can't wait. We've we've decided wherever it is, we, we kind of have mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to make the trek. Absolutely. Down to Farm Aid for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for schooling me on some you of this welcome. and for sharing the, the trip report on that sounds rad the sounds experience, like it was a great time the background great people just great all music. came together you know i saw john mellencamp and he was my first real grown-up concert without my mom and dad <laughs> so from seeing him cool. in, in 1987 at the memorial coliseum here in fort wayne 
to seeing him two weeks ago at Farm Aid. Nice. Uh, awesome stuff. Full circle. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. A wonderful culmination. Yep. And, and historic event. And historic event. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> Thanks, Mom, for being on the show, for coming over to my apartment and hanging out with me on a nice Sunday afternoon. It really was a good day. Um, I'm, I'm glad we did it. I really enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, and thank you to the audience for listening. Um, you don't have to. This is optional. Uh, if you're not into it, you probably already turned it off. So if you got this far, thanks. Uh, it's pretty, pretty neat that, I don't know, I feel good about continuing to do this. Like, I, I each episode I put out, I get uh, a deeper, uh, like, satisfaction or something. Like, like a, I don't know, e each one it's like a little, a little more uh, sturdy. The, the ship sails a little smoother each time. I take it out to sea for a voyage. So thank you for joining me on this voyage. Um, and uh, yeah, I got one more song from John Mellencamp. Uh, I, I, I have made much fun of this song, uh, yeah, the, the small town song. And uh, I, I am going to try to not do that anymore because listening to it, where I, I sat down and put the lyrics up and followed along with the lyrics while I listened to it. And God damn it, it brought a tear to my eye. Like, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so, good work, John. John Mellencamp. He released this album, I think it was in 1985, the year that first Farm Aid. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. Like, the, I, I like the uh, small town of America. I, my great-grandpa was a good old small town boy and kind of like the the last line of this song i think it was, you know it, it goes i was born in a small town raised and lived in a small town and like i'll probably die in this small town something like that like that's what my grandpa did like he was born in a small town lived his whole life in that same small town and then that's where he died and that's where he's buried yeah yeah that was the that was the last line they'll uh, they'll probably this is where i'll be probably be buried i think that was the last line of the song i don't know it's really good um and it hit me deep and i uh was a fucking hipster douchebag for making fun of it um but it was so easy. It's like that Katy Perry song. Did you ever feel like a plastic bag, like a plastic bag, like a plastic bag? Uh, you know, it's... <laughs> some of this is what music is for, right? We gotta be able to have fun with it. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for dealing with my ramblings here. Uh, I hope you're taking care of yourself out there. The world is going through a lot, a lot of crazy shit right now like everyone on an individual level seems to be dealing and if you just scratch at the surface of any person there's something that's like pressing on them in one way or another right now it seems so i hope that we can 
cut ourselves some slack, take some of that slack, um, and remember that uh, it's all going to be all right, um, even if it's not. <laughs> so enjoy the song from John Mellencamp, and I'll see you next time. Well, I was born in a small town And I live in a small town Probably die in a small town Of the small communities And all my friends, it's a small town My parents live in the same small town my job is a small town Provides little opportunity Educated in a small town Taught to fear Jesus in a small town Used to daydream in that small town Another boring romantic, that's me but I've seen it all in a small town Had myself a ball in a small town Had an L.A. doll and brought her to this small town Now she's a small town, just like me Oh, I cannot forget from where it is that I come from Cannot forget the people who really love me well, I can be myself here in this small town And people let me be just what I want to be Yeah, yeah, yeah Look who's in the big town But my bed Is in a small town Oh, that's good enough For me Well, I was born In a 